You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So we're going to go a little old school today. We're going to start with a scripture reading and then move on into our message. And I want to read verses 3, 4, and 5 from our lesson this morning, from our scripture lesson from 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Christ is risen. What a perfect scripture for the weekend after Easter. Peter, the same Peter that we talked about and we read about for the 40 days through our 40-day challenge, the same Peter, the rock who was reduced to a little pebble, but also Peter, the redeemed child of God, taking back, taken back into God's graces because of God's grace, that Peter, that Peter is about to deliver a message to all of these new Christians. A message that he told them in the first century, but almost 20 centuries later, that message is talking to us here today. And it's powerful. It's just as powerful today. A message that has withstood the test of time. A message that endures forever and forever. So let's take again a look at Peter and how he begins his message after his salutation on verses 1 and 2. In verse 3 he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the Lutheran Study Bible, we can substitute the word blessed for praised. So, praised be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which leads me to a rhetorical question this morning. Without looking at the text again, what exactly is it that Peter's referring to that God the Father should be praised about? But before we get around to answering that question, I'd like to go in a slightly different direction, give you something else to consider and ponder. So here we are, the Sunday after Easter. And for some pastors, this is a very depressing weekend. Do you know why? Small crowd. Thank you, Dwayne. Do you have my notes? Yeah, because if you attend church on Christmas and Easter, you're not here today, are you? If you attend church once a month, well, you already attended in April. You're not here today. And possibly, even if you attend church every other 
Sunday, you probably aren't here today because you attended last week. I'm hoping that is not 100% totally true throughout everyone who's here today. And I'm not trying to offend somebody. I'm, I'm trying to make a point. But you are here today. Why did you come back? You are here, brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship and praise God the Father because he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world, to save you and to save me. That's why you're here today. Someone once said that worship is when the mind apprehends great truth about God. Well, as good Lutherans, we are guarded about our feelings, aren't we? But we can't deny the feelings we experience when we worship, especially last week. They are undeniable. Worship allows the heart to kick in with deep feelings. Feelings of brokenness on Good Friday, right? Feelings of wonder. How did God's salvation plan lead to that? Of gladness. Feelings of admiration and certainly feelings of gratitude. It's all of this and so much more. It's more when we hear the word, when we take Christ into ourselves at the Lord's Supper, when we sing praises, when we go to him in prayer and supplication. It's why Peter starts out with, blessed be the God and Father. Here's Vicar Rathke's paraphrasing of the beginning of that verse. Blessed and praised and honored and gloried, glorified be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter's on fire for the Lord. He wants to share something of such great importance, such great news that he can hardly contain himself. What God the Father has done is something that we can't underestimate. We can't overstate. It can't be praised too much or too often. Peter's about to tell his listeners, his worshipers, the good news. The best news that has ever been shared, that has ever been heard, that has ever been delivered. News that needs to be heard and proclaimed from now till the end of time until Christ returns in all his glory to make things all new. So are you ready for it? Shall we move on? Are you ready to hear and see what Peter was so excited about to tell these new Christians what was so important? So let's go. 1 Peter 3b-4, to according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And how did he do that? Well, he did that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's not just his mercy. Peter says it's his great mercy that has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Great mercy? In other words, great grace. 
great undeserved forgiveness. For without forgiveness, there is no mercy, there is no grace. Without God the Father being willing to sacrifice His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for your sins and my sins, literally becoming the final perfect sacrifice, there would be no grace. There would only be death. And you know what the wages of sin is, right? Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, His mercy and His grace is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, not just mercy, great mercy indeed. For Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So because of God's great mercy, Peter tells us that we are born again to something, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, a living hope. It is the hope in Christ that we are confident, we are strong and we are courageous in our faith. It is this hope that keeps us coming back to worship, to praise Him. Because He's so merciful. That's why you are here among the priesthood of believers. Here's another rhetorical question for you this morning. Have you ever seen a spring of water bubbling out of the ground? When I was a kid, in the summertime, my brother and I, and sometimes my, our, our cousins Grant and Jay Holtz from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, we would spend weeks at a time out on my grandma and grandpa's farm, my grandma and grandpa Tell's farm. And we spent a lot of time messing around down at the Rock Creek. Not the Rock Creek. It was the Rock Creek. Has anyone seen the Rock Creek in Cumming County besides me? Yes, yes. The tail farm, right? Yeah. So... Uh, they had, the Rock Creek went right through Grandma and Grandpa Tell's pasture. And it was a creek that was fed by springs, no matter how dry the summer. We could always find these clear, cold, bubbling springs coming out of the ground, feeding into the creek. And so we would get down on our hands and knees, and we would cup our hands and we would bring that fresh, clear, ice-cold water up to our sun-scorched lips because it was always about 100 degrees and 90% and 90 humidity back then, you know. And we would just drink that clear, refreshing water straight from the ground. It seemed like that bubbling fresh, clear water would go on forever. But that's exactly the living hope that Peter is describing to us today. No wonder he's excited. Hope coming from the living, breathing Jesus. 
The living hope that does last forever. The living hope we find in one place and one place only today in our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, our hope is free. It comes free from our sovereign grace given to us from our loving God. You are chosen by grace. You are called by grace. You are brought to faith by grace. You are sanctified by grace, and you will one day be glorified by grace. Do you see why Peter was so excited to preach and teach this message to these new Christians? That's the grace that Peter is telling us about here today as well. That's the hope that Peter is telling us right here, right now, at Trinity Lutheran Church, Fremont, Nebraska, in the year 2023. It is pure, it's refreshing, and it's endless. It's the living water, the living hope that Jesus told the Samaritan woman about in John chapter 4. Do you remember what Jesus told her when he asked her, where, sir, do I get this living water? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up like eternal life. You see, you were separated from God because of sin. But God doesn't want you to be separated from Him. You are His child. He is your Father. His Son Jesus is your living hope to be with God forever, to never be separated again. That's the living hope that Peter's talking about. It's because of Jesus' blood and righteousness alone that one day you will be refreshed by the living water Jesus provides for you for eternal life. No hymn makes that clear than my hope is built on nothing less. And we sang that hymn, believe it or not, in our last song called Cornerstone. The entire first verse is, my hope is built on nothing less. That first verse is all about Christ's living hope because of the, his blood and his righteousness. Let's sing that first verse together. Join me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You see, there is no other ground. Christ is the rock that holds it all together. But that doesn't mean we let our guards down. You see, Satan is alive and well. Satan wants you to keep Satan wants to keep you separated 
from God, not be hopeful in God. He is the father of lies and deception, and he is coming for us as believers more than anybody else. He wants you to believe in false hope. And he's really good at it, don't you know? He wants you to believe your hope is not in Jesus. He wants you to believe in things of this world, to find your hope in things like, well, if I get a new house, that'll do it. If I get a new job, that'll do it. That new promotion, that's where I can hang my hat. He wants you to think that your hope is in your child. He wants you to think that your hope is in your spouse and your husband and your wife. In Nebraska, I think Satan is behind our football program because he hangs our hope on a different coach about every four years. How about your doctor? Is that where your hope is found? A new president, that'll do it, right? How about a vaccine? Is that where your hope is in? A new vaccine, that'll do it. That'll clear everything up. How about sexual gratification? Pornography? That's where Satan wants your hope to lie. In drugs or alcohol? He wants you to think your hope is in our government. They'll take care of everything. Electric cars, that's the hope. That'll do it. How about if we just control the climate? That'll do it. We can hang our hope on climate control, right? How about if we just change our gender identity? Then things will be better, right? Let's just change our gender. But see, that's not the hope that God's talking about, friends. These are not the things that God has in mind for you. These are not the things that God has his heart set for, on for you. No, God's living hope is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, and that's it. In Jesus Christ alone is your living hope. Not in things of this world. That is what keeps you coming back to worship, isn't it? Not the hope in these things of the world. It's hope in something that Peter tells us about this morning as we move forward in our scripture lesson. And it's, and it's called something called inheritance. He uses the word inheritance. Has anyone here ever received an inheritance? I have. What did you do to receive that inheritance? Not much, right? You were just part of the family. So most of us have received an inheritance, but we've received it for one reason and one reason only. 
we're part of a family whose loved one has passed away, who has died. We really didn't earn it, did we? Here's a definition of inheritance. The assets that an individual bequeaths to their loved ones after they pass away. Hmm. So the inheritance that Peter is referring to us about is completely opposite of our earthly inheritance, isn't it? For us to receive an earthly inheritance, a loved one has to die. For us to receive our heavenly inheritance, a family member has to live. And live he does. For Christ is alive. Christ is risen. Indeed, because Jesus lives, our inheritance is the most special of all inheritances. Let's go back and see how Peter described your inheritance in verse 4. And just where does this inheritance wait for us? Peter says, this inheritance, it is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. Yes, this most special inheritance you will ever receive, it's not because of a family member dying, it's because of a family member living. It's an inheritance that will last forever. It is imperishable. You will never spend it all, as Christ has already given his all. It is an inheritance that is undefiled, it is not dirty money. Christ's inheritance is pure. It is holy. It's an inheritance that will never, ever fade. You see, the power of the earthly son, it does a lot of damage to things, doesn't it? But the power of God's son equals an inheritance that will never fade. It will last forever. And where is this inheritance found? This is not a rhetorical question. Where do we find our inheritance? It's going to be held for us by Christ in heaven. Yes, God keeps the inheritance won for us by God's Son, Jesus, in heaven. But that's still not the end of the story. The best part of our scripture today is in verse 5. Verse 5 gets even better. In verse 5, you are assured of this inheritance because of one thing and one thing only, the faith God has put into your hearts through word, by hearing the word like you're hearing today, and through the sacraments like baptism where you receive the Holy Spirit, so that when you hear the word, the Holy Spirit can work faith in your hearts and in the power of the Lord's Supper. A faith which will be counted unto you as righteousness when Jesus returns on the last day. 1 Peter 1.5, here we go. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Yes, our living hope, Jesus Christ, guards us and he protects us from false hope. 
And on the last day, when Jesus returns with all his glory, indeed, Jesus Christ, your living hope, my living hope, he will reveal to us his salvation. Yes, you see, my friends, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we celebrate Jesus Christ, our living hope. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.